Offsets it a little bit to the left. 11 yards shy of the record. Williams breaks a hole. Williams had a record book. Ricky Williams runs to the Hall of Fame. Touchback. Ricky Williams touchdown. For a team to be behind 14 to nothing. And then not to lose at school and to go on to win. That proves you deserve to be number one, and that's what you are. Good from the shotgun. Back to throw. Van Clark, under pressure. He'll tuck it in one. Vince to the five. Young. Touchdown, Texas. Touchdown, Vince Young. He's done it again. Longhorn Nation, we're Welcome into another edition of the Longhorns Country Podcast. My name is Matt Galatson, and I will be your host. And today I'm joined by an old friend of mine from my days back on the uh, Pony Stampede 24-7 beat, um, Phil Mayer. He, he writes for, uh, for Red Raider Nation and does some TV stuff for them covering Texas Tech. Um, and we go way back, and he's a good friend of mine. Phil, how you doing? Uh, a lot better now that I'm watching uh, real offenses instead of Ben's, Ben Hicks throw a pick six every game like we were back in the day covering SMU. Oh, man, that was brutal. Uh, we, <laughs> we, we got kind of lucky as that, as that progressed when, uh, when Sonny got there and Shane Bouchelle came in. But uh, that was, those were some hard times in those first few. Yeah, definitely, definitely some ugly uh, middle-tier AAC games that we were subjected to. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we're, we're both on to bigger and better things now. Uh, SMU was fun. And, uh, you know, now, now you're covering Texas Tech and I'm covering Texas. And it's, it's funny how these things, these things happen. We get to cross paths in our careers later again down the line. But, uh, but Phil, so obviously big game this weekend. Um, big 12 opener, Texas and Texas Tech. Uh, not the biggest rivalry in the state of Texas, but it certainly means to a lot of people. What are your general impressions on the game just from, a, from an outside you know, perspective? We'll get into a little more analysis later, but what are you looking forward to this weekend? Um, well, don't tell people in Lubbock that it's not the biggest rivalry because with all the Chris Beard stuff going down, uh, there's a pretty high level of animosity for the Longhorns here in Lubbock right now, especially. But, um, you know, Texas Tech hasn't been perfect, but the team is 3-0 and through two games, which is probably all Red Raider fans could ask for so far. And now they get a real chance with Texas. They're coming off a good win in which they looked like the much better team against FIU, as they should. Um, and I think there are some intriguing on-field matchups, too, which I'm sure we'll get into more. But uh, this is really a, the, the first test for this team with uh, in year three of Matt Wells. Like I think we're all sort of looking for, is this – going to be one of the teams that can take a step and at least be you know middle of the pack big 12 solid bowl team um and this is a really good first test against a texas team that might not be incredible but is at least pretty pretty solid yeah and it, it, it's interesting because um you know tech that they had a down year last year um but th- they seem to have made a lot of improvements this year uh really across the board statistically they're better in just about every category um, and they're one of the top teams in the nation this, this season against the run. Um, I believe they're only giving up about 54 points a game. Um, what are some, what are some matchups that, that you're looking forward to? We'll, we'll start on the defensive side of the ball for Texas tech. They return a lot of, of, of experience. Um, what are some keys for them? What are some, who are some difference makers that you think could, uh, could cause Texas some problems? Well, like you said, uh, I think the most interesting matchup on either side of the ball is that Texas Tech run defense against Bijan Robinson, 
because they've been really good. Um, they played Florida International last week. They're, one of their standout players is their running back, and, and they're re- really able to keep him contained. And, you know, from the time you looked at this roster in the spring or in the offseason, the strength of the team was going to be the linebackers. They have Colin Schooler, who uh, his brother plays for UT, but uh, he came over from Arizona, and he's been a real difference maker. Uh, especially against the run. He's a really good nose for the ball and can make tackles for loss behind the line of scrimmage. But then they have a bunch of other talented linebackers. They have uh, Krishan Merriweather, who's a Juco transfer, who's, who's got a lot of good speed. And then beyond that, the defensive line's been playing a lot better this season. They have a bunch of players who are sort of maturing and are now upperclassmen and look a lot stronger and able to get penetration and fill those gaps. But I mean, they haven't gone against a town like Bijan Robinson. So I'll be interested to see whether he can keep, whether this defense can keep it up or if he really gashes them a bit and shows that, you know, against some real competition, it's going to be a bit harder. Yeah. And, you know, Tech obviously being 3-0, there, there's a lot behind that. I mean, the, the competition level hasn't exactly been there, but they've looked convincing in all of these wins. Um, especially on the offensive side, Tyler Shuck. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that correctly. Is that right, Tyler Shuck? Yeah, Shuck. Uh, he's he's been excellent so far in his first year under center for the Red Raiders, um, coming from Oregon. So, um, what are some keys to the game for Texas Tech? Do you think how can they exploit the Texas defense that, frankly, got eviscerated by by a what many people thought was going to be an average Arkansas team? Maybe they're a little bit better than that but they've had their troubles this year. Where can Texas Tech take advantage? Well, Texas Tech, like you said, uh, Tyler Shuck's been a lot better at quarterback um, than what they had last year with Alan Bowman and Henry Columbi. Um, his, his, biggest, his best weapon, I should say, is Eric Ezukama, the wide receiver. Uh, really big, physical, uh, still has some very good speed guy who really broke out and had huge games in the first two games of the season um, against Houston and Stephen F. Austin. Um, So that's one guy in terms of a complete game breaker. If Texas isn't able to keep him contained, he's going to have a big game and put up 150 or so yards. You know, going back to our SMU days, he actually reminds me a bit of Cortland Sutton on those SMU teams, a guy who has that man amongst boys feel in these non-conference games where he's just shrugging off tacklers and mossing dudes. But he's in for a huge season, um, and this would be a perfect game to really make a statement in for him. Okay, so you mentioned uh, you mentioned the the kind of man among boys thing with with that wide receiver and how he reminds you of Cortland Sutton. So I guess my question is how much of, of Texas Tech, how much of their success has been because of the competition and how much of it is because of real improvements that they made? Because they, I feel like they brought in some help on both sides of the ball via the transfer market. Um, they brought back a lot of experience. So, so how much of this is, is progression and how much of it is competition level? You know, if, if you're a Tech fan, of course you want to say that it's because of progression. But in reality, I I don't think you can really say that for sure based on the teams they've played. I mean, Houston, you're still not totally sure what you have there. Um, That was a good win and especially looked like it at the time. But, um, you know, Houston might just not be very good. And then Stephen F. Austin and Florida International teams are supposed to smack. So uh, I don't think you can really say for certain that the team is um, that it's not because of competition, but 
just from my vantage point, it does look like the team's a lot better. Like Tyler Shuck is definitely better than the quarterbacks they had last year. Azukama's better than he was last year, but there still are parts to figure out. They have a, um, a running back sort of trio right now where their main guy, Sir Roderick Thompson's easing back in after an injury. They've had a young guy, a sophomore, Taj Brooks, play very well so far, but that's another thing to where is he just bat, gashing bad run defensers or is he an actual Big 12 stud running back? Like, you can't say that for sure yet. Um, and then besides Ezukama, it's not totally clear who their other pass catching options are. Um, so there is, particularly with Shuck and Ezukama, I will say that they're better than uh, the quarterback and number one wide receiver positions were last year. But there are some questions that I think still do need to be answered against top competition for Texas Tech. Okay, so that, that's interesting because this same Texas Tech offense with a better quarterback and a better wide receiver should scare Texas fans because this is a team that put up 56 points, I think, on them last year or somewhere close to that. I can't remember the exact score. But they had Texas beat until – was it Bowman or the other quarterback that did the horns down? Yeah, that was Bowman. <laughs> yeah, and then and then Sam Ellinger, I guess, took that personally in Texas, you know, came stormed back and won that game. But um, can we exp- – I mean, obviously, Texas is a little bit different. They have a whole new staff, they have a new defensive coordinator. Um, but Texas Tech does return a lot of those guys that made impacts in, in that game last year. Can we expect sort of the same – uh, type of game is it going to you, do you see it being very high scoring or is it do you think it's going to be a little bit more uh, reserved this time around or not reserved but you know more uh, more towards the the median like not a not 125,000 points score between both teams um you know it wouldn't completely shock me if this turns into a a high scoring uh slugfest sort of like that one but um I would say my expectation is that it's at least a little more tame than 63 to 56. Um, I mean, point totals in the thirties, forties, sure. But, uh, you know, Texas has a runs the ball a lot now with uh, Bijan Robinson and um, it doesn't seem like the quarterback situation is completely figured out just yet Um, for Texas tech uh, with a guy like uh, as and Shuck, I mean, you're capable of, getting putting up those huge numbers but uh under Sonny Cumbie it, um it hasn't really been just a, a total onslaught through the air or anything I mean they did only score at what was it 28 points against Stephen F Austin so I don't think my expectation would be that and then you have an improved Texas type defense as well that uh might not allow points as easily as last year's did um so I think I think you'll see a decent amount of points this year but maybe not quite to the level of that craziness last year so you talked about um, about some key players on, on the defensive side of the ball for Texas Tech. And really one of the, the weak points for Texas this season has been along the offensive line. Like they, they've got talented guys there, but they, got, they have a big problem, especially on the left side of the line with Christian Jones and Denzel Okafor. Um, how do you think Texas Tech's defensive line is going to stack up against Texas's offensive line? Or are they, are they a dominant group or are they, are they more, or, or like, are, are, how do they stack up against a, a, against, I guess, what would be considered sort of a soft Texas offensive line because they can get pushed around that it happened obviously very badly against Arkansas. Um, it didn't reflect on the scoreboard, but, but they did get pushed around quite a bit against Rice. 
Um, where do you see this? How do you see that matchup panning out? Yeah, Texas Tech's defensive line has played so well, has played well so far. But like we talked about earlier, I, the competition hasn't been the most inspiring. So I think you got to feel pretty good about um, how this defensive line will do as a Red Raider fan. But it's not for sure that they'll be getting pressure on the quarterback all day. And I will say that a lot um, more of their success has been against the run. This defensive line, we talked about that really good run defense before, and they've been some of those defensive linemen have been getting into the backfield, but it's not like they have a guy coming off the rudge, off the edge, I should say, every play that's going to scare Texas um, in terms of pass rushers. Tyree Wilson, the Texas A&M transfer in his second year here in Lubbock, does look a little better to me. We haven't quite seen it translate into sacks and a huge amount of pressures yet, but he's a guy I do have my eye on. That could be a potential difference maker. And then, honestly, the defensive tackles coming in from the inside have been a lot to handle for some of these teams. Jalen Hutchings and Tony Bradford uh, have both been able to push the, push the pocket a little bit. Um, so the fact that Texas's offensive line is still figuring out, figuring things out is a good sign for Texas Tech um, in that I think they'll be able to get some pressure, but it's not a, you know, an all-star unit or anything. This is a group of solid guys, mostly veterans, who uh, – who are making some plays right now, but not, you know, NFL draft picks or anything up there. Okay. So let's, uh, let's get, let's do this. Let's get your prediction on the game. What do you, what do you, how do you see this thing falling? What, what's your score prediction? Is it close? Is it a blowout? Is it, what is it? How do you see it going? I think this can be a fairly close game. Um, with Texas tech, I think, uh, the players are going to be very fired up to play this game, you know, with, with Texas leaving for the sec, it, uh, being a little bit of cherry on top in, in terms of motivation and where they're really going to want to come out and take this one. And especially the guys that were there last year to avenge that close loss last season. Um, so I could definitely see it being close back and forth type of game to start. I do think Texas is going to win. I could definitely see Texas tech covering that 10 point spread though. So I think it'll be um, maybe a touchdown game, 10 point game with, with Texas prevailing in the end. Okay, and, and so we're going to kind of shift gears now, and you kind of mentioned where I want to go with this. Um, obviously, you know, Texas and Oklahoma leaving for the SEC is just a gut punch to the Big 12. Um, no matter which way you slice it, they're going to try and hold it together. They're bringing in Houston, uh, BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, and those are all good programs. Um, but first of all, before I ask my – actually, before I get to this next question – how do people in Lubbock feel about this whole thing? Um, people in Lubbock definitely feel that um, about what you'd expect. I, I'd say like, you know, Texas and Oklahoma think they're too good for us. Like, uh, especially after taking Chris Beard, it's like, I feel like that, that sort of goes with that whole narrative. Like you get the better coach and now you're like leaving to this better conference. Um, and then they hire Mark Adams for basketball, who's like a West Texas guy. Um, but uh, I, people in Lubbock definitely aren't really thrilled about the uh, additions, I would say. I mean, BYU is a bit of a brand, but like UCF is still such a new school. And uh, Houston's been not a power school for a while. And, uh, you know, Cincinnati, not too many people know about them besides Tommy Tuberville going there from Texas Tech. But uh, yeah, I mean... It, it, I think people out here know that it is what it is. And 
they're going to try to keep uh, competing in the Big 12 and doing what they can. But they're they're not. You wouldn't expect them to be happy with the, the, these moves, and they're not. I mean, it's a weaker conference. Uh, when Texas comes to Lubbock and OU, um, those are big weekends for the city in terms of the local businesses and stuff like that. Uh, everyone wants to go to those games, so it's it's a gut punch for for Texas Tech fans and people in Lubbock for sure. Yeah, and um, I mean, luckily, so there was a report that came out of Lubbock. I can't remember who it was from. I'll have to look it up. But um, that Texas and Texas Tech are talking about extending a uh, extending their rivalry, and you know, after Texas goes to the SEC, uh, they're they're still going to have a plan to play for at least the next twenty five years. Um, what can you tell us about that, if anything? And do you think that's a good idea, or do you think they, the two schools should try and separate themselves, or you know, because because when when Texas or when SC when uh sorry when Texas A and M moved to the SEC, Texas just completely dropped them. You know that 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 thing just ended, and it was a great rivalry, but it just went by the wayside. And now you know that thing's gonna get reunited in the SEC. But do you think Texas and Texas Tech should just you know continue to keep playing or not? Um. Well, I know the Texas Tech side better, obviously, but I think from their side, it's a good thing for sure. Um, that report did come out of the AD's office in Texas Tech. I haven't gotten it confirmed personally, but I know the reporter who reported it, uh, Don Williams from the Avalanche Journal, is is very well connected. So I'm sure it sounded like he got it straight from the athletic director, Kirby Hocutt. Um, but I think it from Texas Tech side, it's definitely a good idea. I mean, this is the team that your fans want to beat. So to have them uh, come to Lubbock every other year and, and, and keep them on the schedule is a good thing in terms of maintaining interest in the program and everything like that. Um, so I would, I think it's a good thing for Texas tech. Like I said, you know, the whole city knows when it's Texas coming to town. So I think it would be a good thing. Um, I can't speak for the Texas side and uh, as much and whether it's a good thing for that program, but um yeah, if I were Texas Tech, I'd want to keep playing the Longhorns. Well, you know, I, I think for Texas, it it just makes too much sense not, you know, I think they just have to keep doing it. I mean, that's an easy Power 5 scheduled game every single year that's that will be non-conference. It's an easy slam dunk. Um, you know, the the geography is there. I, I, don't, I don't see any reason why they would give that up. And the game just means so much to – so many people in the state i know it's not texas and texas a&m or it's not texas and oklahoma at least to texas but especially on the texas tech side from what you were saying earlier it's just it's such an important game in this state it would really be a shame to see it go away um but let's let's kind of transition a little bit more uh let's go to basketball because it almost seems like this Texas Texas Tech thing is is a is a, almost a bigger deal on the basketball court, um, especially with the uh, the Chris Beard thing. <laughs> Explain to me how people in Lubbock are feeling about that because I know they're not happy, but this is uh, I've never really seen anything like this personally. When, with, with a coach leaving, going within the same conference to. Uh, what, he, what everybody would consider an arch rival from that school. Um, wh what are the feelings down there about this whole thing? Yeah, I mean, it's about as bad as it gets in terms of just all the circumstances he left. Like, 
Well, first of all, people out here love Chris Beard so much because like he like identifies what they see Lovick as like he embraced being the underdog and stuff like that. And, you know, the unprecedented amount of success in just a few years in the program. And they were willing to hand over whatever they wanted. I mean, Kirby Hoka was offering him a lifetime contract to stay at Texas Tech after what, like five years before he left. I don't know if you got wind of this, but just about every restaurant and business in the city offered Chris Beard free food, free services for life if he didn't go to Texas. And then he went anyway. So for all that to happen, uh, the Texas Tech fans out here are just like, man, like we thought this is our guy. Uh, we did everything we could to keep him and he just wanted the other job. So, you know, it's it's like being, uh, you know, it's like being dumped by a girl for a, for a better guy or something like that. And you know, there's just nothing you can do about it. So people are really not happy with him here. And when Texas does come back to Texas Tech, it's going to be a crazy atmosphere and I can't wait for that. So, I mean, we, we know Chris Beard's success. I mean, he got Texas Tech to their first national championship game and, and wasn't that their first basketball national championship game in school history? Yeah. Uh, he, he brought them, you know, like you said, unprecedented success. What made him, what makes him so special as a coach? Because I mean, Lubbock is not exactly the easiest place to build a program in any sport. It's, you know, it's, a, it's, it's at a bit of a disadvantage when you consider Austin and college station and, and, um, and, and, you know, the Houston market and the Dallas market, TCU, there's so much competition in this state. So it's not easy. How did he do it? And how did he do it so quickly? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I think you got to start with the defense, uh, and just really giving these teams an identity um, that no middle defense that Chris Beard runs. Uh, obviously the team had a lot of success with, and then in terms of just building the brand of Texas tech, it really started with, uh, with winning. Like, obviously you need to win. And before that national title, he took them to like a, a elite eight. Um, and then you sort of have the winning aspect. Uh, Chris Beard gets his face on TV and he's like a charismatic personality. So, you know, recruits notice that and they'll, they'll go play for him. Um, but yeah, the, the defense. And then he's also, I like what he does a lot with personnel to where, it definitely seems like he knows which guys to play in which moments, um, you know, when to throw in like the walk on for a two minute energy boost, get the crowd into it and then take him out. Like he's always, he's doing little things like that. Um, I remember against Kentucky there, they were uh, getting beaten by their size and he put in this seven foot freshman who made a couple of plays, got the crowd into it. Like he's so good at just not letting the game get away by how he uses personnel and stuff like that. And then in terms of transforming the brand, like I said, you, you win a little bit, people start to get familiar with your face and uh, it's amazing what you can do with recruiting and bringing one and dones and five stars. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's come to Texas and he's immediately put together what some people have called the best transfer class in the history of college basketball. Yeah, they, they got all these big time guys from all these programs, um, you know, it's it's I've never really seen anything like it. The the program is completely transformed and they have they still have some of their biggest playmakers from last season. They still have Courtney Ramey, they still have Andrew Jones. So it should be very interesting. And they're in a really good spot. But my question is, and let me look at us talking basketball in September, but <laughs> who would have but, thought? But but my question is, where does Tech's program go from here? 
do you think they can recover? Do you think they can continue some of that success or are they in a transition period or, or what's going on down there? That's a great question. And the jury is still most definitely out because Mark Adams, um, you know, seems like uh, the people out here love him so far. He made a great first impression being a West Texas guy, like I said, but uh, you got to prove you can win. And he hasn't done that yet. Um, I'm not saying he can't do it, but right now the team is a, uh, they have Kevin McCullough, who's one of the best players back. Terrence Shannon, another one of those guys. But um, besides a couple returning players, it's really just a hodgepodge of transfers from random programs. I mean, you get in a, a guy from FSU's bench, a guy from Winthrop, a guy from Hampton. And it, it just seems like such a hodgepodge of players right now. And individually, uh, these guys do have skill. Um, but in terms of just figuring out the pieces, how they all fit, uh, you talked about the, you know, the great Texas transfer class. This is sort of like a B-list version of that to where they have a, some promising guys they brought in through the transfer portal. But uh, I think the question of fit is going to matter a lot more than it will at Texas with the amount of talent that Chris Beard has there. Um, so I, I'm really just going to watch and see how it is, how it unfolds on the court because um, it's, it's too early to really be able to make any generalizations about Mark Adams right now. But like I I will say Chris Beard brought this program unprecedented success. So you can't really just expect that to continue when he leaves. Maybe Mark Adams can do it, but he's definitely got to show it. Okay. And this is going to be my last question for you, Phil. Um, do you think that Tim Jankovic is still complaining about being at the biggest <laughs> disadvantage in college basketball? <laughs> oh, he's finding something to complain about that. Lock that one in. <laughs> yeah uh well phil it's been a lot of fun catching up um you know we uh we go way back and i kind of uh i kind of miss those days at smu those were a lot of fun even though we had to watch a lot of a lot of mediocre stuff but yeah the um, glory days standing on those sidelines at practice writing the notebooks <laughs> oh yeah gr great stuff great stuff but uh tell people where they can find you yeah so uh you can follow me on twitter uh my handle is mayor underscore philip uh, if you want to check out my stuff, you can go to uh, Red Raider Nation on uh, everythinglubbock.com, the Red Raider Nation tab, or at Red Raider Nation on Twitter. Um, if by chance you do have someone that lives in Lubbock, um, they can tune into our pregame show at on ABC at 10.30 a.m. on Saturday. But uh, that's about it. Matt, it was great talking to you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah, always a pleasure. Um, and so that's going to do it for another edition of the Longhorns Country Podcast. Uh, we are live on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, all the big ones. So uh, like, rate, and subscribe. Tell your mom, tell your dad, anybody that's a Longhorn fan to tune in, and uh, we'll see you next time. Yes, sir, we'll be back. Yes, sir. Bye. Bye. Bye.